Hey, this is Paul with the Learn by Doing podcast. Today we have Alan Orcutt on the podcast with us. We're so excited to have him. Alan, great to have you on the podcast, man. Thank you, Colby. It's good to be here. Yeah, man. Hey, so, man, this is this is kind of surreal for me in a way and probably a little surreal for you just because, man, we've known each other for so many years. Long time. I've grown up at the church for a long, long time uh, together and, you know, we... I feel like we always kind of talked or had this thought of ministry and doing different things together. And now it's like we're sitting here talking about it. And it's really cool for me, at yeah, least. Me too. I don't know if it is for you, but it is. It, it is. is. It is for me, man. Um, so really quick, just to kind of uh, catch our listeners up with um, who you are and, and, and what you've been doing the past couple of years, man. Uh, you grew up here at the Oaks. Yep. Yep. Went to Red Oak High School. Yep. Uh, we go both, Hawks. I know we <laughs> go Hawks. I haven't heard that in a, in a long time, oh, nine? man. Yeah. Oh, nine. Uh, graduated <laughs> the same year. We both went to OSL together um, and, and graduated OSL. And after OSL, you went and were a youth pastor, correct? Yes. Uh, I moved to Mustang, Oklahoma. It's right outside of Oklahoma City. And we were on youth staff um, with the Bridge Assembly of God in Mustang. And, and who's we? Who's we? Hunter and yeah, yeah, my yeah, wife. Yeah, yeah, I'm married. Yeah, that's right. Did y'all get married in during college or right after college? So um, my senior year, I lived off campus, saved all my money for a ring. That's right. Um, paid for the ring, cash, proposed, and then I moved to Oklahoma City two weeks before we got married. So I lived by myself, literally no Wi-Fi, nothing. I rented a red box <laughs> every night, um, slept on the couch. And I drove back, we got married, flew on our honeymoon, landed in Dallas, and then drove to Oklahoma City together. Wow. So right as I graduated and took yeah. the job. Okay, so all in one one bit. Yeah. Okay, so you're at Mustang for two years. Almost two years. A little over a year. A little over a year and a half. A uh, little over a year. Okay, a little over a year. Yeah, and then, then we, were almost in, we were in Tulsa for almost three. Okay, and where were you at at Tulsa again? Victory Christian Center. Okay. Uh, it's right by ORU. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Oral okay. Roberts. So you're there for a couple of years, and then um, transitioned out uh, and worked in the business world for a couple of years. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. So well, when we <laughs> left Tulsa, we'll get into all this. But yeah, when we yeah, left yeah. Tulsa, um, came back to Dallas, and we're looking for ministry positions. Gotcha. Um, and wasn't the timing. We weren't in the right place. I wasn't in the right place. Didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, but yeah. Anyways, ended up working back at Cheesecake Factory. Okay. And so I waited tables for a while okay. before doing a bunch of random other things. Yeah. And then, yeah, a really great job at a, at a company yeah. uh, working sales. Working so. sales there. And now you're back here at the Oaks. Yes, man, I am. Working on the Connections team, which I'm super, super excited yeah. about, man. And, and super great to have you uh, back on the team. But one of the questions that I had for you, man, um, especially for you know current OSL students, or potential OSL students, is um, what is it like, man, being in OSL? I mean, you grew up at the Oaks. We both grew up at the Oaks, you know, um, being in this culture and then going and pastoring at a different church, you know. Um, what was that like? Uh, different culture, different community, you know, what kind of uh, thoughts, um, you know, advice do you have for current students or potential students? Like leaving leaving a home church, maybe you have some um, people who are at a home church, leaving a home church and going and, and doing ministry somewhere else, man. Yeah, so I think two things for us, especially Hunter and I. Every time I say us, we're yeah. just going to say it's Hunter and I. And Hunter's fantastic. She is. She actually has her own wedding business. Yeah, she, she a started baller. a business two years ago, literally pays employees as like yeah. crazy. Like she went to leadership incredible. school and she's destroying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm over here just like, uh, yeah, just hanging out and stuff, but I don't know stuff <laughs> she does. Yeah. Um, no, she's awesome. But I would say for us, the first thing going away was um, loneliness. Okay. Um, like we had us, obviously, and we were learning. Um, I mean, we were just married, so we we're learning how to be married and how to argue well. Um, <laughs> we're still learning that. Has, but yeah, that's an art. Yeah. We moved to a different city, no family, no friends, literally didn't know anybody at the church, and it's really just the two of you. And so um, for anyone at OSL or in college or whatever and is going to be leaving to go to um, do ministry somewhere else, 
that's going to be a huge challenge. I think maybe some people are fortunate and they'll have connections and family or whatever. And so it may be a little different, but, um, I do think most of the time it's probably lonely. It's probably like a interview or a connection that you had through somebody. And so you're in a new place, new environment. And, uh, you really have to make sure that you don't isolate or, or withdraw and, um, that you build friendships and stay in, in relationship with the people here at OSL. I think that's one of the coolest things about OSL for me was just the, the friendships that I still have from it. And if you're literally living in that every single day in the dorms, you know, like that is your life at the church, everything you do, and then you're removed from it to have none of it, you know, that is just instant loneliness and can even just open the door to so many other things, um, you know, depression and stress and fear and worry and all those things that that could come with that because uh you're not really prepared for it and then the other thing i would say is um you don't know everything i think you know like we're exposed to a whole lot here at the oaks uh, a really healthy church and osl like great and you learn a lot yeah Yeah, and, and lessons that we're learning and getting to do and be involved in and so when you leave here sometimes maybe a place that looks different, doesn't have the same resources, um, maybe is a little bit smaller of a church or whatever. Um, there's a tendency to feel like, oh, well, I've already done it. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to come in and save this place. And that's not the case. I would say, you know, different things, but you don't know everything. And they know different things than you do as well. So just going into it with that understanding of like, I may have learned a lot, but I'm probably 21, whatever, whenever you graduate and leave and go somewhere, it's like, you got a whole, whole lot to learn. So uh, that's probably two two main things leaving OSL. Yeah, one of the things when you said you don't know everything that um, I heard at a um, from a Kroger Shell podcast, which was fantastic. He does know everything. He Pretty close. Uh, he said, um, man, I don't think it was a podcast. Someone told me he said it somewhere. <laughs> it's just a Craig Ro- Rochelle, Craig Rochelle quote. So, you know, I don't know where the context was, but... He said, man, I know a lot about leadership um, and I can do great talks on leadership, but it's a little bit harder for me to walk out. And I think, you know, it's one thing um, to know things. Mm -hmm. It's another thing to do it. Like everybody is the greatest critic of the Cowboys and how they can get better at playing. (laughs) Get better at playing. But until, you know, you're on the field playing, it's a little bit of a different story. And I think, uh, man... That supports that just concept. I mean, we, you really don't know everything, and uh, an attitude of humility really goes a, a whole long way. And then, yeah, loneliness, man. That's a, I think a, even for students leaving their home churches and coming to college, or just anybody that's making a transition that is big like that, and being aware of uh, loneliness and having to be intentional yes. about maintaining relationships. Yes, because especially I, for introverts like myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it takes a lot. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not a it's not an easy thing. It's not like just going to come. Yeah, you're you're working at a church, being on staff, attending on Sundays like as a staff member is not community. You have to be intentional about finding it and and making wow. it part of your life because it's the same thing you would say like to to someone that preaches every week. Sermon preparation is not personal devotion. That, that's separate. That's extra to what God's speaking to and yeah. what God's doing in your life. And the same thing, um, you know, for a church staff member, a youth pastor, whatever, like that is not your community. You have to be intentional about having people close. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Gosh, that was, that was some good gold right there, man. That was the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that, was, that was some good stuff. Uh, so, um, man, let's, let's talk about your story. I mean, we, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, uh, after the transition of a youth um, youth pastor, you guys ran into a, a bit of a, a struggle. And I think, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I want to have you on the podcast is just because I think a lot of times we talk about, um, man, great accomplishments. And I don't think we talk a, a whole lot about uh, adversity and things that everybody's going to go through. Everybody goes through something. And it's not about what you go through. It's how you make it through and, and how God yeah. leads you through. And I think your story is just... Um, an incredible story of God's grace and, and redemption and, and how he uh, used you. And it, I mean, just incredible, man. I mean, honestly. And so 
uh, yeah, talk to us a little bit about that and, and, and what started there and, and things like that. Yeah, so I'll just say, like, I'll just come out with it. <laughs> okay. And then yeah, yeah, that's good. You can lead it yeah, however you want to, like, if you want to ask certain questions or, go. like, stop and, and dig deeper into something, then just do it. So, uh, essentially, um, over the course of six or seven years, I... Uh, developed an addiction to alcohol. I would say today, you know, my name is Alan. I'm an alcoholic. Um, and it really uh, started to peak when we were in Tulsa. And um, again, I'll just say like a short overview and then we can kind of yeah, dive into the timeline. Sure, but when we were in Tulsa and everything in life for me would be at its peak in a sense that stress and fear and worry and workload and finance you know finances in general like everything that felt like it could go wrong and be wrong was going wrong it felt like and at that point the addiction had really I just allowed it to grow in my life and um at that point in Tulsa it became something that uh took over and had complete control of me um, this was right when, t- when Hunter was pregnant with our daughter. And, uh, this was right at the time we were transitioning out and leaving to move back to Dallas. And in that transition, like I said, we're going to come back to Dallas and find a job in ministry. This will be our fresh start. No more alcohol. You know, we'll get at a healthy church and yada, yada, yada. And it just continued to spiral, to spiral, to spiral, um, until, yeah, it just almost ruined my life, almost ruined my marriage. Um, yeah, almost took everything everything from me. And uh, through that, thankfully today, I, uh, I'll i be two years sober in January. Wow. And uh, yeah, literally to be, like you said, on staff at a church, my yeah. home church. Yeah. Like where people know you. Yeah. Um, is, is really just the restoration of God um, and... Just everything that he's done in me and, and in us and Hunter. Um, yeah, she's the greatest person I know. And so uh, just to, to be where we are today, through all of that, uh, is just a testimony of God and, and restoration. Yeah, so talk to me w- about um, if we can just dive deep. How, how did it start, man? You know, where did this start? Um, what did it, you know, uh, I think a lot of times um, we don't really know where something starts or we get an inclining of something when it comes to an addiction or anything like yeah. that. But for you, you know, how did this, how did this play out? Cause I know it would just, it, things just don't randomly happen. I mean, sometimes they do, but things just so, don't randomly yeah. happen. So the crazy thing for me is, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this, <laughs> yeah. but for me, it all started in college at yeah. SAGU and OSL. Um, yeah. I never drank in my whole life yeah. um, I, until college. I was sheltered. Um, I grew up in a home where tattoos, sex, and alcohol were like the three fastest ways to go to hell. <laughs> and now I've done them all. So, <laughs> um, so I go to OSL, literally never any of that. And um, I start, I get a job because I got to have a job. You got to yeah. pay for school. You got to pay for gas. You got to pay for food. You got to buy clothes. You're trying to date people. So you want to go on dates, like all of it. You need money in college. And my parents were in a season of getting out of debt. And so they were like, you've got a car, but the rest is on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, if you want to go do stuff, awesome, let's get a job. And so I'd always worked, but I needed something that worked with a college schedule, with yeah. OSL schedule. So started waiting tables at Johnny Carino's here in Waxahachie. Yeah. And um, first year of OSL, doing great. And uh, they asked me to be a trainer. Um, which I guess means they thought I was a good server. So moving up there pretty quickly. And at this time, a bartender who had been there for a long time was stepping out and they asked me to be a bartender. And I knew one of the bartenders and they were like, yes, it's perfect. The money is like double or more what you make bartending versus waiting tables. Um, And I was like, this is awesome. I'm in, let's do it. I wasn't even 21. Yeah. Um, but in Texas, you can serve alcohol. You just can't drink it. That's um, yeah. That's weird. In, that's that's. I couldn't taste weird. the alcohol <laughs> to know how to serve it, but I could serve it. Yeah, it was weird. So anyway, start bartending, and um, one night on on a shift, I 
the guy, one of the bartenders steps around the corner with me, and you know him, um, and he hands me a kid's cup with liquid in it. I don't know what's in it. He's like, here. So just drank it, and it was a shot of something, like a, like a mixture of something, and the first time I ever had it and was like, man, that's good. <laughs> like it tastes good. It yeah. feels good. Yeah. Um, and really from there, it just started kind of a curiosity yeah. for me with alcohol because it had been seen for me as something that was like off limits, like the worst thing that you can do. Um, and so really just opened up a door of like, okay, what is this really? Yeah. And how bad is it? And kind of opened that door for me to, to start exploring and, and drinking alcohol. Um, but at the same time, being at a Bible college, serving and working at a church, and wanting to be in ministry, so not having anyone to talk to about it, and not wanting to talk to anyone about it, because people can't know I drink alcohol or I like it, especially not my like friends and family, like, yeah. you know, so really just kind of opened that door, but privately, and yeah. uh, just became something that I started to, to explore and go down. Fast forward a little bit, and um, I am dating Hunter. We're engaged, and we get married, and um, it was the same thing with her where it was this, like, forbidden thing that you didn't do, but what's so bad about it? It tastes good and feels good, and other people we know that love Jesus do it too, so, you know, what's, what's wrong with it? So anyways, um, and when you're hiding something, I think there's excitement too. You know, whatever it is, if you're hiding at eating McDonald's, you know, like before class, <laughs> yeah, like whatever, yeah. there's like yeah. excitement in hiding things. So we would have drinks like at lunch or at dinner if we were in a city where we knew we wouldn't see anybody or at the house or whatever. And uh, again, just slowly started allowing it to become more comfortable um, in our life and and just exploring it kind of more, you know. Yeah. So. I mean, it kind of just started as something small, really just kind of yeah. like a taste, and then it just grew, and um, would you say, um, I mean, especially during college, man, I think uh, people underestimate the stress that is put on students, not just the financial stress, but um, just the the burden, especially, you know, a cell. I mean, dude, we're doing internships, we're working at the church, we're trying right. to pay off loans, we're doing school, we're doing like three different things. Um, so it probably soon became a coping mechanism for you in some way. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say so in OSL or in college. Yeah. I think yeah. then it was just fun. It was yeah. exciting of like, yeah. I've, 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 I have I've done things wrong in my life, yeah. but at that point you feel like, yeah. I've never done anything like this. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Nobody <laughs> yeah. knows. This is fun. You know, yeah. and like yeah. that is really what it was for me in that season of like being a little rebellious yeah. and, and getting to explore some of that freedom uh, was, I wasn't coping with it yet, yeah. but it definitely became my way of coping. Yeah, and I think too, man, you said something um, that was really, really profound, and I think it's something that I struggled with for sure in college, and I know so many others probably struggle with this, especially being at a Bible college, man, there's just this persona that you can't really talk about anything, you know, you mentioned like, I can't talk about anything, and that, it was, it was something that is wrong, you broke a rule, but you weren't able to to talk about it, man, and and to talk about that. Yeah, living in fear of, like, I can't talk about it because I'll get kicked out or because yeah. how people think of me. I think even that, like, I don't think I was as worried about repercussions with school or with OSL or with whatever, yeah. and this is something that I've, through the course of this addiction, have really had to learn about myself and grow in is, like, more than anything, I was more concerned with what would other people think about me? Wow, yeah. If they knew I drank, how would yeah. they see me? Would they, what would they think? You know, for people that I would have thought they would like me more or think, oh man, Alan drinks, that's cool. You know, like I probably would have wanted them to know yeah. versus people that would have been like, oh, I can't believe you do that. Like, yeah. you know, I wouldn't want them to know. And yeah. so that is just something that I've had to real like God's really taken me on a, just a full education on of myself of learning that is how I am and 
you know, to a fault caring so much about what other people think of me, how they see me and trying to be that rather than myself, rather than who God created me to be and being okay with who God created me to be, yeah. even if it isn't what I think other people want to see. Yes, man. I think that's so huge too. Just, just this idea of, man, you're in Christ, like you're a new creation, you know, the way that he sees you yeah. is so much more important than what other people and what you do doesn't define you. Right. You know, like I can bark like a dog. That doesn't mean that I'm a dog. You know, I'm right. Colby. Uh, and so when we sin, we have this idea that, man, nobody can know. It's got to remain secret. But the problem is, is that's such a lie because things grow in secret. Things right. grow in the dark. Right. Yeah, big time. And that's when things just begin to compound. That's when things just begin to uh, soon you look up and you realize, holy crap, man, this is a lot bigger than I ever like. I How did this even become a thing? Yeah. So. So started drinking OSL and then we get married. We are comfortable having it at meals. Then we're comfortable having it at the house. Uh, and this is why we're in Oklahoma yeah. City at Mustang. And um, yeah, again, not drinking a ton, not drinking every night, but still having drinks whenever mm. we wanted to. Um, and we would use things to justify it like, oh, well, we won't on Wednesdays and Sundays. Those are church days. You know, we've got service <laughs> Wednesday night or church on Sunday. Yeah. So we won't drink those days. But again, this is just for me, like probably subconsciously knowing this is not okay, but justifying it and making it okay. You know, the enemy just finding ways to make it uh, okay. And then, um, yeah, it just became more and more routine for me yeah. of where, especially when we moved to Tulsa, uh, I took a pay cut to go there. Yeah. Then I took a second job to valet so i'm at the church from 7 or 8 a.m till 5 or 6 then i'm going to valet shifts wow. um hunter is working full time but she, hold up she gets pregnant <laughs> hold, up. On that. hold up <laughs> <laughs> she gets pregnant that's in my a, mind that's now a i'm huge, thinking yeah. she's about to stop working and yeah. i'm paying for a baby as well um on you know very little salary and uh valet shifts yeah you know so all these things playing on in my mind i've got this you know complex where i've got to perform well look yeah. good be the man always on like you're the provider yeah, yeah. and I've, I've got this like idea that i can't no one can see me not do those things i'm going to excel in everything i do and that's just how it is that's who i am that was that's my complex and what i'll struggle with for the rest of my life and so that's all at its peak, but I haven't realized that about myself yet. I haven't allowed God to reveal that to me. And all those things are happening and alcohol just becomes my everything I lean into. I've got to have it to fall asleep. I've got to have it to shut my mind off and not worry or stress or panic. I've got to have it to get a jump start in the morning. It literally becomes all consuming in my life. Um, obviously when Hunter gets pregnant, she stops drinking. Uh, she never drank like I drank anyways. She would, you know, have half a margarita and be like, eh, I'm done. I'm like, I'll finish it, <laughs> you know, and another one. Um, <laughs> sorry if this is too real. But no, we're real, bro. <laughs> we're so real. Um, so real. Yeah, so so she stops drinking. I keep drinking more and more and more and more and more. Um, she would. She came home a couple of times, and I would be passed out, like, on my Friday off. She comes home from work. I'm passed out on the couch wow. or on the bed. Um, yeah, she just, she could tell and she was starting to see like, this is getting more serious. She would come home and know that I've already had a couple drinks and it's like five 30, yeah. you know? Um, so it picks up, she starts to notice it, finds me pass out a couple times and is like, this is not okay. We can't do this. We got to cut alcohol out. I'm like, you're right too much. You know, we're cutting it out of our lives, but I just keep doing it. And I'm trying to figure out ways to sneak cash around, you know, buy Walmart gift cards. So it looks like I'm buying groceries, like whatever. I'm, I'm figuring out every way I can to still get alcohol, hide cans and bottles and all that stuff. Um, and finally gets to the point where um, there were a couple times where she was pregnant. She comes home from work. I'm passed out. And it was so close to Mitchell being born that if she had gone into labor, I would have been able to take her. And wow. at that point it was like, okay, 
Nobody else knows we drink, but I'm about to start telling people. And Hunter yeah. had to start bringing people into our life to say, yeah. like, hey, there's an issue, and we can't just figure it out on our own anymore. Yeah. Wow, man. And I think, too, I, I, I feel like none of that was ever intentional. You know, right. you, don't, you don't wake up and are like, hey, man, this is, this is where I want to be, you know, and I, even just people, you know, listening. It's like you, you have to be aware of, uh, of what you're being dependent on, you know. It's, it's, it can be a small thing. It's right. just a small thing, and then it becomes something that's, that's all-consuming, you know, and then you're at a place where you, you don't uh, really ever wish that you want to be at. Right. Right, you know. Well, and I would say – Probably for people listening too, like you may not, or they may not relate with an alcohol addiction. Yeah, but there's but something. Even more than addiction, it's just bondage. Yeah. And we all understand yeah. bondage to something. Yeah. To money, to success, to yeah. appearance, to Netflix. To Netflix, exactly, and just like laziness and slothfulness yeah. and whatever. Like you could fill in the category of bondage, and everybody understands mm-hmm. that. For me, it was just something you know a little bit yeah and i think like a lot this. of times even even for me man because i've been in a place like that before too um not specifically with alcohol but man it's 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 weird how uh god doesn't just make it go away and you're yeah, like for real. you're like god just make it like let's just be done with this right right you're god take it away yeah you like, can do that right let's go right but I think it's what's interesting is you said, hey, we have to get more people involved. And yeah. I think that's God does that intentionally and, and wants us to um, like healing doesn't just take. I mean, I, yeah, God can do anything he wants. I mean, he can heal people without anybody right. doing anything. Right. But I think that uh, the body of Christ is an important role in the kingdom of God. And we need that and we yeah. have to have that. And I know for myself, man, if I didn't have people that I could go to and, and talk about some of the stuff that I was dealing with, man, it was, I don't know, you know, you don't know where you, you would be, you know? Yeah. And that goes to me, that goes back to, you know, that complex of like, people can't see that I'm have any weakness in yeah. me. I've got to, I've got to, you know, be better than that. Yeah. And, um, you know, the Bible says, uh, he used the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Yeah. And I used to read that and think, Literally, this is how prideful and just arrogant I was. I would think, but what if I'm not that foolish? Yeah. You know? Wow. And looking back at myself now, I'm like, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> like, yeah. you know? Or, yeah. and, and our weakness, he has made strong. His strength is made well, perfect in our weakness. Yeah, it's like, but what if I'm not that weak? Yeah. And li- genuine thoughts that I would have that I look back now and I'm like, like, how weak was I? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so the fear that kept me from bringing other people in to not see, you know, weakness or, you know, um, foolishness or whatever. It's like, but at the same time, wanting to be used by God in those things, God has seen most. Mm -hmm. And so just the enemy really bringing this level of contradiction to the truth that I know in the word, I memorized the Bible growing up my whole life, but for those of you don't know, like we're going (laughs) to, we're going to pause right there. Alan really did memorize the Bible we were in Bible quiz together, and he memorized like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, like literally the whole new, a lot whole, of books. Yeah, the whole New Testament. Like you knew it. Like it wasn't a question of, oh man, here's I know the Bible. It's but there's yeah, yeah. I memorized Matthew, Luke, Acts, or Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Hebrews, First and Second Peter. I think that's all. So if that goes to show you can memorize I knew the Bible. Scripture. You can memorize the Bible, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it's right. going to be applied. Right. You know? Yeah. So I knew scripture, but that's how the enemy works is to use and and you know, deceive what I'd grown up knowing, memorizing my whole life, and then whenever it was actually time to use that, uh, feeling like I couldn't, feeling like I, I wasn't able to share that or let people into that area of my life because, you know, what would they think of me? Yeah, so go going back to letting people in, like what what did that look like? Like, I mean, it probably was messy at first. I mean, um, it, whether it's a pastor or a friend or you know, it, some some people may not know where to start. They may yeah. not know where to go. And 
for you being in that place, how did you navigate that and how would you advise that now? I mean, I have some thoughts on myself, but I would love to know your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, so Hunter brought in uh, my best friend. He's like big brother, mentor, him and his wife. I've lived with them before and they've just always been like there for us and, and for me uh, before I was married. So she brought them in and um, there were the conversations of like, you know, do you understand what you're doing? What, what is, this is causing to your family, the risk that you're putting Hunter in, all those things. Um, you know, and that was like, oh yeah, okay. Now people know I've got to really stop doing this and change and all of that. Well, then we moved to Dallas and we're living with my wife's parents and it doesn't change. It doesn't stop. Um, and she brings her parents in oh. and they know, and then she comes home one day, uh, again, I'd been hiding that I was drinking, still drinking. This is after we left Tulsa. I'm in her parents' media room one day, passed out in the middle of the day uh, because I'd been drinking. And she comes home, she's had enough of it, and she called my parents. And my parents, I don't think knew I ever had a drink in my life. Maybe they guessed because I was a bartender, but I never yeah. told them. Yeah. Calls my parents, tells them, you don't know this, your son's got a problem. He's passed out drunk right now in the media room. I need you to come get him. I'm packing his bags. So I wake up to my parents getting my stuff together, loading me in the car to go live with them um, because Hunter was kicking me out of her parents where her, she, my wife and my daughter were. And so to to your question of bringing people in, like at that point that made me angrier probably than I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, at her, at life, at yeah. myself, at all of it. And yeah. I don't think if she hadn't done that, we would be where we are here yeah. right now. I think that's probably the hardest decision, the hardest thing she's ever had to do. And the hardest moment I've ever been through probably. And without her having the confidence and the boldness to do that and take my anger, um, my wrong anger towards her. Yeah. I, I don't think we would be here. Wow. I'd probably still be in it trying to figure it out, fight it and do it on my own. Yeah. Wow, man. Where did you go from there? <laughs> from there, you would think it got better. <laughs> I just got kicked out of my house with my wife and daughter and it gets worse. <laughs> so, Man, so just, I just, you know, I think sometimes a lot of people um, want a cookie cutter approach to, to handling things. Yeah. And I mean, you guys, we're still, you're, we're still young, man. We don't know how to handle that kind of stuff. Right. You don't know how to deal with that kind of stuff. And so there's probably better methods to handling certain things like this than what Hunter did. I mean, there, who knows? Right. I mean, it, there's there's probably better ways to go about stuff, but you guys were at a breaking point and she made some decisions that said, listen, like we have to, something has to change. She came to a point of saying, I've got to do what's best for me and my daughter. Yeah. And at this moment, it's Alan not living with us. Wow. So... Yeah. And she wasn't saying, Alan, I want to divorce you. No. She wasn't she was saying, saying, you got to figure your stuff yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not yeah. putting up with lying. I'm not putting up with being treated this way, us being put in jeopardy. Like, yeah. so much comes, you know, with alcohol and literally altering your state of mind. That's why you can't drive past yeah. a certain point because it literally changes who you are. That Hunter's like, I'm living with a different person. I'm not going to keep doing that. And yeah. so... Yeah, so I say, it doesn't get better. you think it would. It gets worse. Kicks me out, go to my parents. I'm, I'm waiting tables at Cheesecake Factory at this point, so um, not in a healthy environment, um, not in a, a good place. And at this point, I'm kicked out. I'm living with my parents. In my mind, forget this. I can drink as much as I want now. Like, <laughs> you just kicked me out. Like, yeah. I'm diving deeper and yeah. deeper into my addiction. Boy, it's hurting. I mean, it's, it's pain. Yeah. I'm, again, I don't know any other way to shut things out, to yeah. deal with things, yeah. to handle stress. To yeah. That's how I got here in the first place. And so I just keep going deeper and deeper into the thing I know to do, which is 
drink to cope, to shut my mind off, to feel some level of, you know, being relaxed, go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Um, and then a couple months after that happens, I am uh, living still with my parents. They're buying a house and one day I'm supposed to help them move their stuff from their apartment to their house while they're both at work. And I'm going back and forth, going back and forth. I'm like, this is lame. This is boring. You know what would make this better? Alcohol. So I am drinking uh, while I'm moving them. And on the way back from one of the trips, I am trying to cross over a busy intersection and I don't have very good depth perception. I get hit uh, trying to cross the interstate and spun into a ditch. I get out of the car. Thankfully, I'm not hurt and no one in the other car is either. And disoriented, but, you know, again, in my intoxicated state, I'm yelling at this other person. The cops show up to sort the wreck and the accident out. They do a field sobriety test on me determine I'm intoxicated, load me in cuffs in a police car, and take me to jail. Wow. So, and this is, this is man, I, I really, really want to, like, hone in on this really quick. Like, you're an awesome guy, man. Thank you. You're a man of God. Like, I've known you my whole life. And it's, you never are like, hey, man, like, I'm going to get to this place. Like, I'm going to intentionally, you know, it's it's never... The enemy is such a deceiver. Yep. He's such a liar. And yep. um, you you never think that, oh, man, this that will never happen to me, you know? And for you, it was like, I know you. It's like, dude, you never would want to harm anybody. Right. You never would want to do anything like that ever. But you get to a place of hurt, get to a place of pain, you get to a place where, man— You've known you've known God is the answer your whole life. It's right. not a question of oh man is God. It's like no, I know right. the I know what the answer is. You know. Yep. Um, but it's still for some reason that's just you, you. It's you can't just get out. You can't just stop. You know. It really is an act of God. It really is an act yeah. of grace. At this point, I'm still trying to control alcohol. Yeah. I'm still trying to do it on my own and be like, I can drink when I want to. I cannot drink when I want to. Yeah. If I want to only have one today, I can. If I want to have more, I can too. And I couldn't control it. It was in complete control of me. But that goes back to me wanting and wanting to be more and look the part and be strong and be able to do it all and like handle I can anything. Do it. Like I yeah, can handle it. I'm good enough. I can drink what I want and not drink what I want. Yeah. I can stop at any time. And I was just so wrong. So get in the accident, go to jail, DUI, and... You think it's about to get better. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> um, after that, Hunter, we'll get to all the like restoration part. Yeah, just, no, it's good. No, um, no, we got to go. You got to go. You gotta, after that. Hey, and here's the thing. People can't understand how good God's grace is until they understand how, how hard it's been. Yeah. You know, like people don't know, uh, uh, the, the I, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation is because until you know where someone's been, you don't know how good God is. Until right. you know the the stuff that they've had to over, dude, you went to Bible college, you went through <laughs> OSL, you are a yeah. leader of leader, you're a man of God. But sometimes you just encounter stuff in life and you can't do it on your own. Yeah, you know. But continue. Yeah. So get out of jail. Talk to Hunter that day. She's like. Uh, we needed to talk about what's happening moving forward, but not today, not right now. So um, at this point, I'm not really seeing Mitchell, our daughter, and uh, she basically comes to a point, Hunter does, where she says, if our marriage is going to continue, you have to go to rehab. And I had been so against rehab before because she'd brought it up before because you're against the idea yeah i don't need weak. help with this i know i got it <laughs> i just went to jail but i got it <laughs> <laughs> so at that point when she brought that up i was like okay you can pick the place i don't stinking care like i'll go to rehab so picked a place found one um 
went to rehab, checked in November 22nd on my birthday. Wow. Turning 27. And uh, I think it was Thanksgiving Day, too. My birthday and Thanksgiving Day. Checked in, spent a month there, came back to Dallas just in time for Christmas. Uh, spent Christmas with her family, came uh, back to Dallas. Her family's in Arkansas. Spent Christmas with her family, came back to Dallas, spent Christmas with my family. We went to the Cowboys game on Christmas Eve. And probably two and a half weeks, um, no alcohol, and then relapsed. Thought I could get away with it. Thought I could have some. Again, at this point in my mind, alcohol wasn't forbidden. It wasn't something that I I understood I can't drink. I can't have even a, a sip of it. It was for me, it was like, well, just not right now. Let me, let me you know, get some time under my belt. And then maybe when the kids are out of the house, we can have stuff to drink again. Maybe when I retire, I can retire on the porch with whiskey, you know, like, yeah. At some point in my mind, it, it was still an option, which again was me being able to control it. So relapsed. I, um, she knows immediately, and Hunter's like, "Okay, this is for real, it it." Um, and I'm back to living with my parents. I am working for a bank at this time, and pick up right where I left off before rehab, just in the the deepest part of consuming alcohol and uh show up to work one day completely intoxicated as 10 a.m my boss uh thankfully didn't call the police or anything she called me back to her office said alan you're drunk i can tell other people can tell she said i called your sister and i've called the recovery pastor at a church here in Waxahachie, the Avenue. Yep. And he's on the way just to talk to you and meet you. And then your sister's going to take you home. And, um, I don't really remember much else of that day or that conversation because of how much I've been drinking, but, um, really she saved my life. Um, so my sister takes me home after I'd met and talked to the recovery pastor. Um, I get home and I'm just angry. I, I'm This is the lowest point of my life. I've just lost my job because I showed up drunk. Now there's no chance of getting Hunter back or Mitchell. How can I provide for them even? I don't have a job anymore. At least, you know, living apart, I was still providing and buying diapers and food and paying bills. But now I don't even have a job. How am I going to do that? Um, just every possible thing that I felt could go wrong or was wrong with me was coming out. And so... Sister takes me home, and I just drink as much as I can. I'm getting to a lower and lower and lower place, and I come to a point where I text Hunter, and I say, I think that life would be better for you and Mitchell without me, um, and with no real intent to take my life or do anything, but genuinely how I felt in that moment of like, I'm of no benefit to you. Yeah. I'm like trash. You yeah. know what I mean? Like literally believing that. Um, and the recovery pastor actually, Hunter tells my parents I'm texting her that. She's like, what the heck's going on with Alan? Where is he? Is he okay? Recovery pastor shows up. Police show up. And it's like, you can either go to a detox center or you can go to uh, jail again. So I go to the detox center. This January 25th was the worst night of my life. Um, spent the night in a detox center and was surrounded by people screaming, banging their head on the wall, people that have lost their mind. I mean, just the most terrified I've ever been and really just sitting in that place wondering, how did I get here? Yeah. Um, what in the world am I doing here? Worse than jail. I would rather go back to jail than go to that place. I wow. tell Hunter that all the time. Um, <laughs> But that was the last day I ever had to drink alcohol. January 26th, the next day, checked out. Um, started going to recovery and really just one day at a time giving God more and more of my life and just allowing him to completely change me. Well, man. And so talk about just um, how that recovery process and, and pastor. Because I think it's really 
Um, not to say that rehab places aren't great, but I mean, the fact that you, um, that didn't work, right? you know, and then, uh, this recovery pastor coming from, uh, the Avenue in Waxhatchee is a great church, man, really, really support that, that place and, yeah. and things like that. Like, um, like what, what was kind of the turning point and you said giving God this stuff every kind of day, you know, was that you know, the, the answer, so to, so to speak, you know, or was like, what was, um, uh, what was the turning point, I guess, for you? I mean, obviously the place was terrible or lowest point in your life, but was there, there, was there a moment where you're like, dude, God's going to have to just help me with this. Like there's no, yeah. there's no Alan doing this. It's all got to be God. Yeah. The, I think I said earlier about whether it's addiction, whether it's um, having an idol or needing attention or struggling for identity, whatever it is, we all understand bondage and are bound by something. And so getting more and more to that rather than the addiction yeah. um, was was the key. And the first step, uh, Celebrate Recovery, goes through uh, it's like alcohol, AA, yeah. alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. uh, but with scripture. Yeah. And the first step is I am powerless, admitting wow. that I am powerless over my addiction. And that for me was the root of all things in my yeah. life. Yeah. I want to be powerful. Yeah. I, I always thought that I was powerful and that whatever came at me, I could handle. Yeah. I could overcome and bring on something even bigger because I'm yeah. going to take that out too. Yeah. And so understanding that, yes, in my addiction, but in every area of my life, I am powerless to do the right thing, to do it well, and to do it, you know, for a long time. Like, I'm powerless. And that ability only comes from dependence on Jesus. Like you said, it's, mm -hmm. and our weakness is his strength is made perfect. And so coming to that place, you know, on I guess on a spiritual side of things, that would be what mm -hmm. the turning point was for me yeah. in a very like practical way. Um, like boundaries and restrictions have to be set up. Yeah. And I for ninety days I didn't have access to a vehicle. I didn't have access to money, a yeah. wallet, key, a card. Um, you have cash. to give you have to give your time, uh, your yourself space. Yeah. And from from whatever it is that you're dealing and you have to have accountability right. with with somebody else. Like you your dependence is not just on God. It has to be on someone else. Right. And that person has to be someone that you respect. It's authority. It can't be somebody that's struggling with the same thing you're struggling right. with. It can't be like, oh hey, this is you know, a good friend. You know, it's like, no, this person, these people, you know, clear cut, no way around it, boundaries. Exactly. Hard lines that that say even if you want to, you're not going to. Mm -hmm. And it's always like nice to say that, but then you still want to have a way to be able to do it yeah. just in case. Yeah, you're going to still point. try to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, okay, so say I wanted to have a drink mm -hmm. after, you know, coming out and realizing I'm powerless, but okay, I'm weak today. I want to have a drink. Well, I don't have any access to money. Yeah. I don't have a card. I don't have cash. I don't have, you know, literally no way to buy it. Yeah. So I'd have to go somewhere and steal it. How am I going to get there? I don't have keys. I cannot drive a vehicle. Like I don't have a license. My parents took my keys in the car, everything like for 90 days, probably longer than it needed to be. Yeah. But that doesn't matter if yeah. it means I'm not drinking yeah. and I'm not going to drink again. You yeah. know, like uh, it's easier to say that two years removed from it. Yeah. But when you're in it, it's like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. My older sister had to take me to and from work. If I needed groceries, if I like wanted to do anything, it's like, someone had to take me yeah. and really it was miserable, but it was worth it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And I couldn't see that for myself. Yeah. I could see at this point I'm powerless over my addiction and over every area of my life, but I couldn't see the boundaries that were required for me to be healthy. And that was one thing that the celebrate recovery pastor at the Avenue was able to see and tell my parents, like my parents had never walked through an addiction like this with a child or how do we put up boundaries? How do we handle this? So he was able to say, these are some things that you have to do. It's not going to be fun. It's probably going to make life harder on you because you're going to be taking them places and, you know, spending the money and managing the budget and all that that he can't do right now. But if you are serious about him not drinking and, and this recovery working, these are things that you have to put in place. Man, I think it's huge, too, just to know, like, you can... you. 
if you wanted to, you could have broken the boundaries, but it would have taken a lot of effort. A whole lot. And I think it's another thing to understand, like you didn't want to go back to that place. You, you, there's moments where you get tempted and you're tempted. You're like, oh man, I really like that. But the boundaries are so hard. You're like, ah, but then there comes the reality of like, no, I'm choosing the right thing now. Right. Like I'm going to choose the right thing. It's, it's like, you know, it's renewing your mind in, in a lot of ways and allowing your, yourself to create not just those own boundaries, but those healthy coping, you know, mechanisms in a way. Yeah. I found out how well I lead my own life. Yeah. If I'm in charge, I end up in jail. I end up in a detox center. I end up living at my parents at 27 years old without my wife and daughter. Yeah. That's how good I am at being in charge. Well, and having the ability to say, this is what it looks like when, when God's in control of my life. And so I say all that to say, when I do have the thought or the desire to drink, I allow it to play out in my mind. Okay, I have the drink, what happens? Well, last time I had a drink, I know what happens and I know where it got me. I'm not gonna drink today. Yeah, I man, it's so important what you just said. And I think we, we growing up in church and especially going through Bible college and I mean, we hear all the time, you gotta let God, you gotta let the Holy Spirit lead your life, you know? You gotta let God yeah. lead your life. Give it to God. Yeah, but it really is an attitude of surrender. Like waking up every day and going, yeah. God, I can't lead my life on my own. I really need your grace. I need the body yeah. of Christ and my family to help me. Like I have to be dependent upon other people. I can't do this on my own. And when I choose to, to try and rule instead of steward, when I choose to try and say, I'm going to do this my way, I end up getting ruled. Yeah. I end up getting Absolutely. owned by, by a, another idol God, you know, something like that. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because that is, this is what I felt. And this is what the church, I don't know if the church or, or a lot of churches have had enough experience going through people in situations like this. I hadn't before. Yeah. So I wouldn't have known how to walk with someone through this, but the typical traditional thing that you hear is trust God, give it to God. You know, why don't you let God yeah, handle give it? Why don't to you God. let God take it? Yeah. Just, you know, it's not right. You shouldn't be doing it. So give it to God and you won't. And so it's like, yeah, great. But what does that look like? How do I give alcohol to God? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So for me, God's spirit. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it became, I don't know how to give God alcohol. I don't know how to give God lust. Yeah. I don't know how to give God fill in the blank of your bondage or whatever. But for me, I was like, I know how to give God more money. And I grew up tithing, grew up giving, like that's just what you do. First job, my dad's like, first 10% goes to the church, second goes in your savings, and then you get 80, you know? Um, Well, we get some, then you get the rest. (laughs) (laughs) And that, you know, like I just did it because I know the Bible says to, and I want to be obedient and I don't want God to curse my money. So I'm going to give him 10%. But for me, it really turned into like, the Bible says where your treasures, their heart will be also. And so God has to have my heart. If he's ever going to have control of the addiction or, you know, any other area of my life, he has to have my heart. And I don't know how to give God alcohol. I don't know how to give God whatever, but I know how to give more money. And so I just trusted God. I was making the least amount of money I'd ever made in my life. And um, I just said, okay, God, I'm going to start giving 15% instead of 10. And just as, as my way of saying, I don't know how to give this to you, but I'm going to give you what I can. And I'm just going to trust that you yeah. are going to meet me and, and be who, mm-hmm. you know, the Bible says you are. Mm-hmm couple months into that, the day I'm going to court for my DUI, my sponsor calls me. He's like, hey, I know I've heard you've been looking for a job. I was working at a warehouse making like $8 an hour. It was awful. And calls me the day I'm going into court. And he's like, I'd love to just set you up and meet the team and have an interview. It could be, you know, I think you could be good at it. It's like, great. I'd love that. Literally the day I'm going to court. Um, I meet him a couple days later. I met the team. They love me went from making the least money I've ever made in my life to at that job, that was the most I'd ever made 
wow. and a job. So wow. I was like, this is awesome. You know, before I, I was actually hired, I said, okay, God, I feel like I'm supposed to give more. So um, I'm going to up my giving to 20%. And again, I'm still living separate from Hunter. I am uh, having to pay like new bills because of attorney fees, court costs, wow. n- all the stuff that comes with probation and, you know, just the classes and the community service and everything that goes with it. And so more expenses than I've ever had in my life, making less money. I said, I'm going to give 15%. Then the job happens and I say, okay, God, I'm going to start giving 20%. Um, and Hunter and I find a place. We move back in together. Hunter um, and her business starts just taking off, getting weddings out of nowhere, um, busier than, than we could have ever imagined. Um, and her business is giving 20% as well. And now literally to look at this almost two years later, it's crazy to look back and see like, I don't know the numbers or the metrics, but the percentage we were giving versus what we were making at that point versus now is like, you know, there's no comparison just to what we've seen God do um, in that time. And again, I say all that to say, I didn't know how to give God what I was struggling with, but I do know that, there are laws of God and that God is faithful and that he blesses and, and rewards mm-hmm. us. And I didn't expect or think what it would look like. Maybe you it's re- financially, maybe it's relationally, maybe it's whatever. I just want my life to be better and to be in a healthy place with myself, with my family, with my friends, um, not always hiding or feeling like I've got to perform or act or be this person for someone. And so for me, that was giving up the thing that I really, I, I held closest and valued most, which was my money and saying, even this, I trust you that you're going to take care of it. Yeah. And literally it's just been, I mean, I could go just, just stories yeah. of what we've seen God do. Man, I think it's so important. One, just figuring out what has your heart and, and giving yeah. that to it, you know, and, but also just knowing like, man, you got to give it to people too. You know, you were doing that with the, with the recovery group and it's right. like, it's not, it's not about, um, uh, man, I can't give God alcohol. It's like, okay, yeah, God's this. I can't give God alcohol, but I can give uh, someone else that, and right. I can give someone else the bar. I can give someone else this deal and help them to help me to become accountable. And then I'm going to search my heart and go, God, what do I need to give you? What What is the yeah. one? What if that's me getting on my knees every day and praying? If it's my time, if it's my money, if it's my you know whatever it is, right. close whatever it is, whatever it's holding you back and. And like you said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also making God your treasure, the most important thing uh, apart from those other things, you know? And so now, like, man, once you started that, like you said, uh, Hunter's business starts growing, man. Growing. Growing. Crazy. (laughs) Crazy. Uh, Man, you're reunited with your family, man. and, And you're working back here. At the Oaks, man. It's just like, holy smokes. Yeah, I got to say this. Sorry, Yo, before it, or I forget. It. In January, maybe it was in January, maybe a little before that. Yeah, it was in January because it was when I relapsed. Hunter met with an attorney and was like, I don't know what is going to happen. I'm not saying I want to pursue this right now. I'm just trying to see what my options are and what does this look like if things don't change in our life. And... Uh, when she left there or at another time, she felt like God said, wait till July. She's like, okay, like what's in July? Is it about yeah. to get a whole lot worse? And you know, or like, <laughs> yeah, it's about to get a whole lot better. I don't know. She just yeah. felt in her spirit. Wait till July. Literally in July, we moved into our apartment wow. together wow. after living separate for like a year, I guess. Wow. Um, in Dallas, Literally, I, my office was downtown. Just the dream situation that we'd always thought, like, how cool it would be to live in Dallas, you know, and all this. It's like we're actually doing it after the worst season of our life when we didn't even know if our marriage would make it. And just to see, like, God's faithfulness and what happens when you listen and obey to, yeah. to you know, what he says. Yeah, he sets you free, you know. He sets you free. Yeah. He's a good God. Uh, all the other things of this world, uh, the enemy trusts and enslave us with, you know. And and whenever we try to rule and reign on our own terms and and uh, not do it according to what we feel like God is telling us to do, man, we become enslaved to those things. I've yeah. witnessed it myself, you know. And it's an attitude of surrender, um, not just to God, 
Because that's important. Yeah, surrendering it to God. But there's so many times you probably prayed and said, God, here, I give Take you this. It. Yeah. Take it's, it. It's the body of Christ. Right. It's the body of Christ being a part of that, creating healthy boundaries to give you space to renew your mind and renew your thinking and renew ways that whenever you're tempted, how to uh, cope with that. But then also checking your heart, allowing time to check your heart and go, God, what is most val- are you most valuable in my heart? Yeah, I think you hit something there that I probably should have talked more about, but I'll say now. Having someone to talk to at a church that understood and could talk with me about the addiction was huge. Yeah. And that I'm talking about celebrate recovery. Yeah. Sitting in church talking with other people who love Jesus and are trying to live for him and you know, just make it day to day but dealing with the same addiction, like the freedom to just discuss that and have someone that says, I get it. I know what it's like to want it and to feel like you can't live without it. Like that is huge. And so, excuse me, whatever your, you know, all of our, our issues, like having people with us and having the ability to be able to have that conversation with them of like, this is what I'm dealing with. And they're like, Oh, that's crazy. Me too. And being able to walk through that together, especially with someone that's a little bit further, that would be a sponsor, like in recovery, um, is just a game changer. Yeah. You know, because it's one thing to say something to someone that doesn't get it. And then you feel like, oh, well, if that's not them, then how many people really do deal with well, this? And, and what can they really do? What can they do? How can they help me? They can't. Yeah. They can't. Yeah. And so having someone that people that are going through the same thing that you can kind of go on this journey together with and then have one, someone that's further down that said, I remember what it was like there. I've got a little bit more time under my belt than you. Let me just kind of show you what, what you're about to face. And, uh, it was just, yeah, huge, man. That's awesome. Um, well, you know, one of the, the last remaining kind of questions that I had, I mean, we talked about a lot here today <laughs> and man, I appreciate your vulnerability and your realness, because I don't think we get enough realness, man. I think we got so much fakeness uh, in our world that it just is kind of, it doesn't help anybody. And I think it's okay for us to be real. And I think it's okay, because when we're real and we, we're honest with things and we're vulnerable with things, we see how God really, really is miraculous. Yeah. How he really is a good God and how he really can take us from the worst situations we think possible and turn it around. And now, dude restored i mean just healthy whole yeah we're still working through things but man like to look mm-hmm. back like you said two years and go man i ne- this wasn't even a place like you were you were on the brink of possible divorce i mean yeah divorce. Absolutely. i mean it's crazy yeah to we think there. about it and now you guys are restored um your marriage is health i mean it's incredible yeah you know and thank and, you and working through that they don't teach you that in bible college there was a class on what do you do when you're an alcoholic and <laughs> you get they don't, they don't, I mean, they, I mean, people kind of talk about, it, but they don't really, they don't really talk about that, you know? And, and I think that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have this conversation is, is to go, Hey, you may not learn this in school. Yeah. <laughs> you may not have learned this in school. Maybe you're a pastor and it's okay. Like maybe you're somebody that's in, in a place and you don't feel like you can go and talk to anybody about something that you're struggling with and we want to say the body of christ is there for you it's here for you yeah god is here for you and you can there is hope yeah um, god can restore you he can bring you out of the darkness into the light and and uh you know one of the last questions i, I kind of have is man what would you say you know to to people listening is kind of like a, a final takeaway action step if there was one, I mean, there's a lot that they probably got from this, but what's, you know, for you, what's, what's an action step that you would give to somebody to, uh, to take? Well, I think if you are dealing with something, whether that's a substance addiction or a lust addiction or any, any kind of something that has you bound, talk to someone Mm -hmm. like, do not keep it in. Um, talk to me. Yeah. You know, I don't know if we can put my phone number or email or something on here. Like, talk yeah. to me. Seriously. Um, it's having people like that in my life that has saved me. And I'm always willing and ready to talk to people that are battling with something. But second thing I would say is, um, yeah, I lived so long caring so much about what other people thought that 
that's why the addiction became as bad as it was because it, I felt like it was something I couldn't let out. People couldn't see. And God can't use that. Yeah. God can use what he has to use, what he's done. Yeah. A really jacked up, messed up guy that almost threw everything in his life away and now is back restored, living with his wife and his daughter, is working in ministry, which I feel like is the calling of my life, but I never thought or didn't know if I'd be back in. Like, that's God, yeah. you know? And none of that is possible if Alan is still in control and doesn't want other people to see where he's weak. Because when I, yeah, when I hear and see weakness in people and how God's used it and restored it, that pumps me up more than anything else is is seeing God do stuff in people's life. And God can't use us if we're perfect. Like if, if I act like I've got nothing going on in my life, God can't use that. That's not yeah. relatable. Yeah, one of the things uh, as you were talking, the verse that came to my head was uh, there's nothing hidden that will not be made known or that has been concealed that will not be revealed. Yeah. I'm basically saying... you It's coming out. It's going to come out. God can use it now or... <laughs> you know, or, that's probably the one thing I'm most thankful for too is that this all came out and happened and I'm 28. Yeah. I'm not 40. 60. Yeah. I'm not 40 and I've got a teenager and she has an absentee dad. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's there's guys and girls listening to this that have it, grew up with that. Yeah. Maybe even lost parents or, or members to that. There might and be people like, listening that are struggling with that now. Right. They're forty, but you know what? Now's it's not over. Yeah. Um I'm I'm thankful that I learned this now and yeah. I'm so young and my daughter won't ever remember me as an alcoholic. Um yeah. but even more so like you know, God can still do that. Yeah. Um, no matter what age or and, and what situation of life you're in. Yeah. Hey man, well thanks for being on the podcast. It was such a such a pleasure Thank for you. Um, you to be on here and, and share your story. And, and I know for a fact it is gonna, it is blessed and will help so many people. So we appreciate you, man, and, and we look forward to having you back on at some point in the future. Thank you. I'd love it.